He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require from you, but to do justice, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. When Jen was pregnant with our second kid, um, we went in to see the doctor for a a routine consultation on an ultrasound. Um, We'd done this before and kind of knew the drill, but um, as we went in and sat down with the doctor, he pointed out something on the scan um, and he brought our attention to it. Uh, He sort of said, do you see this right here um, in her head? That's a cyst. And he said, it could be nothing. He said, or, or it could be something um, pretty serious, uh, a genetic distortion. And um, I, I just remember that moment of, of life getting very heavy, very real in that moment. Uh, we, of course, then went away to Google what this, what this thing could be, what this condition could be, what the cyst could mean. If it wasn't nothing, what could it be? And uh, it, was, it was some pretty serious physical deformations as a result. And... Um, it was, it was really scary. I remember uh, going back to work after the scan, just being um, overwhelmed. And I remember locking myself in, it was the, the laundry cupboard, basically, the laundry closet. I locked myself in and I began to just pour my heart out uh, in prayer, just, just begging God desperately. Uh, I remember, um, yeah, the, this heated uh, anger, this frustration, this pleading, um, but in the process of just pouring out my heart, I remember there, there was something very real as well as, as to beginning to hear from him as well. Um, in this, this very real deep moment, I, I began to hear God speak truth over me, um, truth of, of his goodness, of his grace, of his providence, that he was in control, that he loved me, that he had plans for us. And, and I began to soften and find more peace. And my prayer became this thing that, that was angry and demanding into accepting and praying back peace and saying, God, whatever, whatever you have, thy will be done. And, and it was uh, walking out of that, that moment. I still remember so clearly um, this acceptance of, of God, I, I trust you in all things, whether it's what I want or not. I, I want what you want and you're going to get glory through any of this. And so I'm ready to walk into whatever you have for me. Uh, and that time of prayer really changed my heart in a lot of ways. Now, thankfully, um, thankfully, when, when Addison was born, she was a, a happy, healthy, though giant 10-pound baby. Um, and she's such a joy and a delight today. But I still remember, um, I still remember that, that time of pleading with God in prayer. Um, we've been we've been talking about Micah six eight and and about this threefold mandate for the kingdom life, which is to do justice, to love mercy, and and this week to walk humbly, walking humbly with God. This relational peace, and and I think we all know that prayer is a pretty important part of our relational journey with God. That prayer is is a pretty important discipline. Um, but I think if I'm being honest myself, often I come to prayer uh, in one of two extremes. Uh, one is that it's this religious duty that God is taking attendance and I just have to put in my time. It's a checklist. I have to spend a little bit of time in prayer each day so that God is happy with me and move on. That, that's one extreme. And the other extreme is kind of that God is a cosmic vending machine. And if I can just put in the right currency, then I'll, I'll get what I want. And I think we tend to, to navigate sort of between these two poles very frequently when it comes to prayer. Uh, but prayer is so important. Martin Luther once said, as the business, 
As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to make shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray, not only as a divine summons, but also as a royal invitation. There, there is an expectation on us in our faith um, that prayer is supposed to be a major part of our faith. But um, I think the most important piece that to get us in the right headspace to pray is our attitude. What is our, our attitude in prayer? And I think that's why um, prayer in times of pain or distress, th- those times of prayer are so so vital, so, so real. Um, is there something humbling about coming to God when we're in pain where we realize that we're actually not in control, that we're totally dependent on Him and that we need Him? Uh, there, there's just such a difference in that attitude where things in my life are going well, they're going smoothly, and, and I've, I've got this God, I, I've got it under control, and, and prayer at times can become this formal duty. As opposed to when you're in pain or when, when you're stressed or when, when life is falling apart and there's this desperate need for God to show up. There's this humble attitude. E.M. Bounds, who wrote extensively on prayer, said, said that we need to be humble in prayer. And humility is just feeling little because we are little. Humility is realizing our unworthiness because we are unworthy. And the prayer is the, the crying dependence, crying expression of that dependence. And, and it, it, it's about coming to God in prayer with the right, the right attitude, not of expectation that God's going to give me what I want or that, that God just needs me to go through the motions so that he's appeased. But this, this desperate need for God, the humility in prayer. Um, I, I find a really interesting study in prayer comes out of uh, the book of Numbers. Uh, and, and our expectations of prayer and what prayer really does. Um, so uh, Moses is on the uh, on Mount Sinai or, or on the mountain, and he's getting the, the Ten Commandments. God is giving him the commandments, and he's up there 40 days. And while that's happening, the people are down below, and they've made a golden calf, and they're worshiping this false idol, and God becomes enraged. And here's what he says in Numbers chapter 14. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? Remember, he's just pulled them out of Egypt. There's been the plagues. He's part of the Red Sea. He's brought them out. There's manna being provided Um, and how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs I've done among them I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they so God is saying to Abraham or sorry to Moses I'm going to start over I'm going to wipe out Israel I'm going to wipe them out end the promise to Abraham and start over afresh with you Moses And then Moses prays, Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have yet put me to the test uh, these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. Um, And so... Moses rejects this offer. God says, I'm going to start over with you. And Moses rejects. He says, no, God, please don't forget. Don't forget your covenant. Don't forget your promises. Uh, And we're told here that actually God uh, relents. And he says, all right, I just won't let 
The people in this generation see the promised land, but I'm not going to give up on Israel. We've seen that story uh, in our last series. Um, but the question becomes, did, did Moses change God's mind in prayer? Uh, God said, I'm going to wipe them out and start over. And Moses said, please, no, don't. On behalf of them, please don't forget your covenant. Remember what the other people around us, the other nations will say. And he begs and pleads on their behalf for God to have mercy on them and forgive. And God relents and does. So does Moses change God's mind? And I think the answer is no. I think that God knew what was going to happen and God was waiting for Moses to, to beg God for mercy, for Moses to intercede on behalf of the people that God wanted Moses' heart to really, be, to, to really be torn for the people, to be broken over them and for him to put himself um, really in, in their path. And, and I think Moses really needed that as he continued to lead his people, that, that what changed wasn't God or God's plan. What God needed to change through prayer was Moses himself. And that's actually why I think that God calls us to pray for our enemies. It's not because uh, we need God to bless them. I think it's because as we pray for those who persecute us, those are our enemies, the Bible says, is that our heart begins to change towards them and we start to have mercy and compassion on them and our hearts begin to change and adapt and we begin to love them and see them in a different way. I think really when it comes to prayer, it's all about um, this, this humility and our attitude and how we approach God and what we expect. And, uh, and the, the picture I get often is we have like all this baggage and it's, it's heavy and it's too heavy for us to carry and it's a burden and, and, and we're, we're weary of carrying it. And it's like we come before God in prayer with all of these burdens that we're carrying and we look at them and we're just listing them off. Look at all these things that I'm carrying, God, and our eyes are fixed on these burdens. Um, but I think what actually has to happen is, is instead when we come to prayer, we need to lift our eyes up heavenward and see God in His holiness and in His glory and stand in awe of Him and who He is and His promises and His love and His faithfulness. And as we do that, then as we lift our eyes up, I think these burdens become lighter. And it's not necessarily that He's going to remove them, but our perspective on them changes in light of who God is. And we see this in, in, in the Lord's Prayer as well, that the, the prayer that Jesus taught us, um, it, it really is a prayer of humility, of, of acknowledging the, the magnitude, the holiness, the presence of God, and that our life, our situation changes. God doesn't change in prayer. We do as we come in humility and in brokenness before God. Again, not as this divine mandate where we must pray in order to maintain our standing, but as this royal invitation to the throne. Um, and so uh, together, um, this is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And we'll, we'll break it down. And um, I think the whole prayer itself is this attitude of humility coming before God. Jesus begins, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And so, again, it's about relationship. It's about God as Father. And, and God is our Father because of the adoptive work that he's done, calling us to himself. We have no right to approach him on our own, but only through the work that he's done. And it, it's this reverence. It's The prayer starts off with reverence. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Acknowledging it's, it's his kingdom. It's his lordship. That's not our kingdom, that we come into his kingdom. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a submission. Thy will be done. It's your will, not mine. Help me to line up my will with yours, God. Give us this day our daily bread. It's about today. 
It's really about acknowledging before God, help me not to store up treasures in barns that I can rely on, but help me to trust you today and trust that you want to meet my needs today and, and rely on you and not myself, I think is, is kind of what Jesus is getting to, going back to that image of manna in the desert, and they were only supposed to collect one day at a time. Forgive us our debts. So here we have a confession, confession that, that I've got debts, um, that I am a sinner, as we also forgiven our debtors. And so it's this release that I, again, this humility that, that God has forgiven me so much. I'm the servant who's been forgiven this giant debt. Help me then to extend that to others and not feel like I'm better than other people around me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's an acknowledgement of weakness. Again, this humility, this, this confession of vulnerability. And the prayer that we have is about coming before the throne of grace and humility, not so that we can change God. And I think that's the important thing as we look at what does it mean to walk humbly with God? What does it mean to grow in that faith, to, to live this thing out? I think it's, it's the important vital connection of prayer, but prayer begins with the humility of knowing who we stand before and not that we're trying to change God, but rather we come with the baggage, with the difficulty that we have, just like me in, in that, that laundry closet, and it wasn't me changing God's mind, but rather God changing me and softening me. And so when we come to prayer, we don't seek to change God, but we ask God to change us. And I think that's the, the most important piece of prayer as he's trying to mold us and shape us and refine us is that we come before prayer, not just with this, uh, this, this checklist of I've got to just do this, God, to appease you, and not with this wish list of here's all that I want, you're, my, you're, you're the genie, uh, give me what I want, my wishes, but rather we come before God saying, hey, mold me and shape me. We come in humility and in reverence. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that uh, through your sacrifice, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Um, that it's not a divine mandate where we have to pray in order to, to maintain a standing, but an, a royal invitation to approach the King. And thank you, God, that you love us. Help us to, to, to cast our cares upon you, our burdens, because you care for us. And I pray, God, that you would mold us and shape us in the ways that you want to for our good and your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you have a great day. We'll talk again soon.